Amen. I, I want to invite you just to kind of join uh, me this morning in this this little short journey that we're going to go on. We're going to become wisdom hunters. And we're going to talk about, I'm going to preach about wisdom for a couple Sundays. And, of course, this is the first Sunday. So if you have God's word, let's go to James chapter 3. Just put your finger there. Let's all go to James chapter 3. And we're going to begin in verse 13 and read down through verse 18 in just a moment. But before I, I read the passage, I, I want to share with you some some little uh, tidbits of wisdom that I've come across. Some of them you probably read before or heard before. But I just want to share them with you to kind of get things going. So here's the first one I came across is no one can make. By the way, this was Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt said this. She said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Now, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You know, because we're so hard on ourselves, right? You know, I know that we're hard on ourselves. Here's the next one. Uh, you've heard this one before. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. So why do we worry? I mean, why do we put that upon ourselves and we just kind of worry about things that probably we don't do not need to worry about? OK, here's another one. Let's look at this one. This is uh, this is something that a pastor shared with me after service. I was preaching at another church about forgiveness. He came up and said this to me. He says, remember, pastor, if you bitterly hate someone, you better dig two holes. That makes a lot of sense. I think there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, I, I also love some of the little pieces of wisdom that I found that children have said, right? Children, you know, they can say, you know, the craziest things or the best things. Uh, okay, some, uh, uh, well, no, this is one last one before I get to the kids. This is a, a text that I sent to my sons. I have a son that's 26, son that's 28, and I sent this to them because they're building their careers right now. The foolish man seeks happiness in the distance while the wise man grows it under his feet. And so there's some wisdom about working now, you know, paying now, you can play later maybe. But so uh, that, that, I thought that was a pretty good piece of wisdom. But, okay, the kids, let's look at the kids. The first one is Patrick, age 10. He said this, never trust a dog to watch your food. <laughs> I love the story I heard amongst friends when Chad Wolf told me about the time he baked a banana crunch, a loaf of fresh banana crunch bread. I think that's what you call it. You sat it on the table and then he left the chair out accidentally and their little bitty dog jumped on the table, jumped on the chair on the table and he ate the entire loaf of bread. Came back, the dog looked like a balloon with legs. I mean, he ate the whole thing. And so I thought that was a pretty good piece of wisdom there from a child. Here's another one. Michael, age 14, uh, he said, when, you're, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. <laughs> I, I know this is true from experience. Okay, that's good wisdom. All right, here's another one. Michael, I think, 14, last one here. Never tell your mom her diet's not working, okay? It would be wise not to say something like that to your mom. Amen? I guess the baseline, what I'm saying this morning, I want to share today is that um, I, need, I need more wisdom. And, you know, I get tired of my own prideful stubbornness. And, and my own silliness, because I'm thinking sometimes, okay, I can figure this out. You know, Tony Miller, I can, you know, I can come up with a good answer, a wise answer. And then I just kind of scratch my head because, you know, it, it is probably not the best, best thing for me to do. You know, rather than, you know, getting counsel and talking to other people and maybe reading the word, going to the scripture. How about listening and hearing the voice of God so that I might, you know, use the wisdom that God has for us and, and makes available to us. So, so I, I guess here's my point is that wisdom 
makes life easier. Let me say that again. I mean, it's true. Shake your head if you believe that. That wisdom makes life easier. We we can say it like this, that wisdom protects us from disaster. Wisdom makes us look good, and some of us really need help with that. I know that's true. I'm just kidding. But, but wisdom, it, it, it makes us look better. I, I remember my pastor standing in a church I, I was in. My pastor was standing and talking about ministry, talking about life, and, and trying to you know, be a good leader. And, and he made this statement. He says, I've learned through life that as far as you know, being a good leader and making good decisions, he said, I learned I do not have to be the smartest person in the room. I just need to be friends with them. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's some wisdom to that statement, and, and, and I love it. And so with that idea, I, wanna, I, I want us to go to our, our passage. We're going to James chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 13. And, and as we prepare to read the passage, um, know that this is a New Testament book. You know that, a New Testament book that is really... It's wisdom literature, like we find in the Old Testament when we look at Job and Psalm and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. And we see that as wisdom literature. And that's really what we we find James to be. I mean, there's no question the genre of James is that it is it is in letter form. We know who the author is that identifies the letter or the author of the letter, which, of course, is James. But it does not necessarily identify the issue that is at hand or identify the person that he's writing to. In fact, the ones that he's writing to identifies them as as brothers when he's writing the letter. And so as we begin to read the book of James, we realize again that the literary genre is definitely it's it's wisdom literature. Um, The book of James uh, is often looked at as kind of perichoresis or a moral instructional type of of reading. Some have said that James is a commentary for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if the Sermon on the Mount is is the wisdom of Jesus, then then we could say that James then is the commentary on how to apply that wisdom that Jesus shares with us to this generation. To this modern generation. I mean, how do we apply what Jesus says there in the Sermon on the Mount to, to this life that we're living right now? And so, again, we're looking at wisdom. So go with me to book of James. Again, chapter 3, looking at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Think about that for a moment. I mean, as we work through relationships, you know, maybe relationships, you know, within the family, our own family, or relationships even within, you know, the kingdom or, or the church. And, and applying this truth, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for your wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to that heart this morning that is, that is coming today hungry, 
They're, they're needing and wanting direction from you, Father. I pray that you would just give them direction. And that, Lord, that your word, as you've promised, would not return void. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak to that heart. Thank you for speaking to us, we pray. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. And everyone said, Amen. So it's interesting, you know, the delineation that James makes here. I mean, it's a very, it's a very strong fault line that we see between two types of wisdom. In fact, I said we're going to start this journey, a two-week kind of experience where we talk about wisdom. And so in these two types of wisdom, we're going to talk about one type of wisdom today, and then we'll talk about one type of wisdom next Sunday. And I want you to be sure and come back and, and hear about that, because I believe, again, it will be transformative. God God will speak. I believe that as we come back to listen to that second type of wisdom next Sunday. But this Sunday, the type of wisdom that I believe that James points out for us here is wisdom from above. Let that sink in for a minute. Wisdom that's coming to us, you know, wisdom that's coming to us from above. You know, not wisdom that that our, our neighbors are giving us or wisdom that maybe, say, the world is, you know, teaching us. And we do learn you know, through experience, and we can say we have this wisdom because of the experience that we had. But that's different than what this passage is pointing out when it points out the wisdom that comes from above, which is wisdom, obviously wisdom from God. Now, that, that, is, that, is, not, that is not knowledge. Wisdom from above is not knowledge. I've known people that have a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of data up here. And, and they're extremely smart, but they can barely provide a roof over their head Because they keep making a series of bad decisions. And so they have a lot of knowledge. I know people with lots of knowledge, but they really do not have much wisdom at all. And so so wisdom, this wisdom that's from above is not knowledge. It it is not selective. You don't have wisdom because you have blue eyes. You, You don't have wisdom just because you're old. People that, that are elderly and they, they've lived maybe more years than you, it doesn't mean that they're automatically wiser than you. So, so wisdom is not selective. Wisdom is not intuition. In, in other words, you know, you know, having the ability to know what to say. I mean, you can have that ability. You can have the intuition of how to close the deal, so to speak, or the sale, or how to build, you know, build something. But that, that intuition, that, that's not the kind of wisdom that James is talking about here when he says wisdom from above. You see, what wisdom from above is, now bear with me, what wisdom from above is, it is, it is being aware of the things of God. Becoming aware of the things of God so we can say it like this, that wisdom, when we say wisdom from above, wisdom knows God. Wisdom knows God. Wisdom expands life. Wisdom does that. Now, I understand that wisdom, you know, has very little wow factor. In other words, when we began to say, okay, we're going to have a little sermon series on wisdom. I wonder how many people clapped their hands, jumped up and said, whoopee, we're going to talk about wisdom. I mean, there's not much excitement about it. In fact, as I was processing this, I'm thinking, you know, I thought to myself, I wonder if I should even preach about wisdom at all. And so I had to process this idea of, of, of what do I have to say? What does Tony Miller have to say? I mean, really, what do I have to share when it comes to, to having wisdom? So I kind of conducted a little bit of an experiment. My wife and I, uh, not long ago, had taken our, our daughter. We have a special needs daughter that's 30. And we'd taken our daughter to the airport to put her on the plane. And the way we do that is we go, uh, we get a security pass, 
kind of like a boarding pass. And we go through security, you know, go there. We've got to take our shoes off and go through security. And then we go into the gate area and then we set with Courtney. And then when the plane arrives, uh, we walk her actually literally to the door and we make sure she gets safely on the plane. And then her people, they do the same thing. They go through security, make sure that she gets safely off the plane. So anyhow, so we're doing this. We're getting Courtney on the plane. We get there early. And so I have about 45 minutes uh, to an hour to kill. And so I'm working on my sermon. Uh, I believe I had my, my phone with me and I'm working on my little sermon. And I'm thinking, you know, how t- I don't have much to say about wisdom. And so I'm thinking, I wonder what other people have to say about wisdom. So I got up and I pretended to be a reporter. I didn't tell him I was a reporter, but I actually said, I'm a preacher. I'm working on a sermon. Can I ask you a question? And so I literally began to ask strangers the question, what is wisdom to you? And I did this with several people. I recorded four of the responses. And I want to share some of the responses with you. Here's what the first person said when I asked this total stranger at the airport, what's wisdom to you? Here's the response. Uh, the first person said, it comes from age and experience, never the same recipe for anyone. Interesting. The second person's response was this. Uh, wisdom is knowledge you gain from experience. Everyone has wisdom. The the third person, their response was this. Wisdom is something I don't have, but pray for. The older I get, the more I seek. And that was from an older person. And here's the last person's response in regards to the question of what is wisdom. They said, wisdom is the way you think about life. The, the The way that you make decisions. And so I kind of pull us back to the baseline. And the point is this. That I I think what each of them and all of the ones that I interviewed were getting at is that there was this awareness that wisdom is something that comes from outside of ourselves, something that comes from outside of ourselves. And and, and the older we get, the more acute we we become or more focused we become on on what is wisdom, really. I mean, do we understand it? In fact, I go to first Corinthians chapter one, looking at verse 30. And uh, we read there, of course, Paul's writing there to the Corinthian church. We read there, it is because of him, okay, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So what is Paul saying? And I'm quoting Paul. He says, Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. And so how does that happen? I mean, it's the power of God that he becomes flesh. That flesh grows as a man. Jesus is crucified on the cross. And because that atonement, remember, the power of God, it's the power of God in us that allows us to experience salvation. So Christ becomes that wisdom and the power of God. Remember last week, I spoke briefly about the atonement. Remember the threefold act. It is the the virgin birth of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. It's that atonement that, that, that we experience the power of God in his plan for our life. Amen. Someone once said that repentance is the awareness of the reality of the atonement. Salvation is not ours by begging or working. It's not by anything that we do, but it's something that's there because why? Jesus has already done it for us. Jesus has already died on the cross. Jesus has already resurrected from the dead. He's already defeated the sting of death. And because of that, the door's already open. All we have to do is walk through the door. You see, that's the power of God for us as his spirit lives in us and through us. Amen. 
And so here's the thought process. I mean, there's some some ideas that I have. Here's the first idea. If you're making notes this morning, you can look at the screen there that number one, wisdom from above kills self. Wisdom from above, we're talking about wisdom, that's the first kind of wisdom, that wisdom from above, godly wisdom, kills self. Verse 14 speaks of the fault line, remember that, this, this shift thing, where there is a delineation, you know, between, you know, what is righteous and holy, and bitter envy and selfish ambition. Wisdom from above, it realizes two things, that what is in one's heart defines the person. Remember, oh Lord, let the meditations of my... My heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. And so you see, it's the condition of our heart. It's the condition of one's heart that determines and defines the person, not what we say, but what our heart is. And that defines who we are. The second thing that shows us is that selfishness is the byproduct of of being unspiritual. Now, remember, this is not the pastor that is preaching hard. This is what the scripture is saying to us. And maybe even gently whispering to us. That that selfishness is the byproduct of, of the unspiritual. It's the byproduct of the demonic. That's what the passage says that we just read earlier. So, so therefore what he's teaching us is that wisdom from above cannot fit in the same space with selfishness. He's saying it's it's a spiritual DNA that is saying that, you see, wisdom from above, wisdom from God cannot exist in the same place, in the same space of selfishness. It's like the idea that that fresh breath and smoking cannot happen together. I mean, you have to make a choice. Either you want to smoke or you want to have fresh breath. It's impossible for it to happen together. It's like the heart that is full of bitter and, and hate. It, and it's hard for love to exist in the same space of where there is bitterness and hate. And so what I'm saying, self-motivated individual, a self-motivated individual in no way can make the same decision or come to the same conclusions as wisdom from above. And if we think we can allow self and pleasure and greed to exist and still make godly, wise decisions, we're only kidding ourselves. What is the statement? I started with it, that wisdom from above kills self. Amen. Here's the second idea. Wisdom from above realizes Christ has become wisdom for us. Look at verse 17. Go back. Look at verse 17 for a moment. This wisdom from above that's from heaven it is a wisdom that that is in light of the cross. And that's key here. Remember, we're thinking about the atonement. It's in light of the cross. So this is a wisdom that stands in the shadow of the cross. It's a wisdom that, that shows us it is a God who loves us, that acts on our behalf and he becomes flesh and he goes to the cross. It's in the shadow of that cross that, that that wisdom becomes power for us. Amen. It speaks of the wisdom of a Christ-dominated life, not a self-dominated life. And, and, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you can go to somebody and say, well, you need to do this. No, it's what we learn, what we, we experience in Christ, that we can live a, a life that's in the shadow of the cross. Because we've experienced Christ ourselves and, and wisdom from above becomes alive for us and, and becomes real. In Proverbs, it speaks about wisdom as a person. In, in Proverbs, uh, it says, seek her. This is wisdom. Seek her while she may be found. And so there's this, this challenge for us to seek wisdom you know, as, as almost relationship, as a friendship. And we spend time understanding, seeking wisdom. Again, there's the transition. 
What do you mean, Pastor? Well, look at Second Kings in chapter two and look in verse eleven and twelve. We go back to the Old Testament. Second Kings. Bear with me now. Second Kings chapter two, looking at verses eleven and twelve. And you remember this scenario, possibly, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Can you imagine that? And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. And and, and he does that. Why does this happen? I mean, he was shaken to the core of his being because there is this shift that happened where now he sees there is this dimension. And then there's the earthly dimension and there's the, the heaven thing and all that. And he's wanting to make the shift. He wants to be a part of that. And when we understand. And wisdom, wisdom from above, we say, oh, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that thing, not this thing. And that thing is wisdom from above. Amen. You see, that's what James challenges us to understand. This whole transfer process where we begin to think in terms of heavenly wisdom. And folks, if you're saying, I want heavenly wisdom, then I promise you today, I promise you young people today that you will stand a test One day in your life that you will stand a test and God will ask you, you know, are you going to follow earthly wisdom or are you going to follow heavenly wisdom? I uh, my wife and I, we were at a place in life where we uh, we had a a recreational vehicle and, you know, a lot of people have trailers or motorcycles or something. We had a recreational vehicle and and uh, we really enjoyed it. We had it paid for. We'd had it for about five, five years and uh, and I began to feel this pressure. It wasn't a voice, but it was just this kind of this feeling, this pressure that I needed to sell this recreational vehicle. My wife hadn't said anything to me. It wasn't any, you know, any reason for guilt or anything. It's just I was just feeling the sense that I needed to sell it, Paul. And so I began to think about it. I resisted. And so it took several months. And finally, I kind of admitted to myself that maybe this pressure that I'm feeling This voice that I was hearing was maybe the voice of God. And so I had prayed to ask for God's permission to buy it. And now I was praying and asking God, am I supposed to sell it? And finally, I came to a conclusion that I needed to sell this recreation vehicle. And so I did that and I put it in an ad and boom, lickety split. It sold right away. And, you know, I had no idea why I was doing that. It's just that I felt like the Lord was telling me it was time to do that. Now, about two weeks later, something came up in our life and there was somebody that we needed to help. And so Heidi and I, we talked, had a conversation. We decided to help this person. And folks, without getting into the long story, it dramatically, dramatically changed and shifted the direction of that person's life. And because of this and what the Lord laid on our heart and what we did, this person made new decisions spiritually and they've never turned back now the fact is is there's no way that i knew what god was doing why was i supposed to sell this recreational vehicle but it was god's voice speaking to me and heavenly wisdom is like that it's it's just feeling and knowing that god is maybe speaking to us that we might hear his voice and respond to him and and he challenges us sometime and and we may be tested amen So wisdom from above realizes Christ has become wisdom for us. And what is the third thought? Now, hang with me. Here's the third thought. Wisdom from above has hindsight. Someone once said that the inspiration of the missionary 
comes from behind them in the history of the cross of Christ. Literally, we could say that the inspiration of the missionary comes from behind them when they were called to be a missionary when they were 11 years old. Or maybe it's in in the history of their life when they were in college and God had called them to be a missionary while they were in college. And now, 20 years later, they're remembering and there is this inspiration of their mission work that comes to them because of, of history past and God's call upon their life. But certainly we find inspiration in the history of the cross of Christ. Remember, those that are standing in the shadow of the cross. The kind of hindsight that gives the clearest view of the future. We may not know what the future holds. You know that. We know that one who holds the future. It's in the long shadow of the cross of of. of of Jesus that mankind stands as as we are seeking heavenly wisdom. It it, it might even be called the, the badge of Christianity by some. It, it is a wisdom that makes sense of suffering. I mean, think about that for a moment. It's godly wisdom that makes sense of suffering. And, and it moves us from asking why, why am I suffering? And why am I in this situation? And we begin to ask what? What is God doing? I mean, what is it that God is trying to shape me into for his glory? It's, it's, it's in the understanding of godly wisdom that gives us access to the grace of God. Amen. That God's grace is sufficient. In 1 Corinthians one twenty one, we read, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. So there is a wisdom that is not from above. There is a wisdom that... You know, it seems right because, you know, we have the knowledge and it seems like, you know, this is what people around us or the voices are saying to us that here, this is what's wise. So there is a wisdom that that seems right, but it's it's not from above because why? Because it misses the shadow of the cross, misses the shadow of the cross. I can't help but think of Judas this morning. You remember the story of Judas. And you remember what happened to him because Judas made a decision to step out from under the shadow of the cross. And maybe there was some logic that he had in his mind and maybe it was the 30 shekels, you know, of silver. Maybe maybe it was, you know, he's thinking, yeah, this would be a good financially strategic move to make. And he had this justification, whatever was happening in his life. But the fact is that Judas, he moved out from under the shadow of the cross. And I'm wondering if we're seeking, you know, heaven or wisdom that is from above, heavenly wisdom, and we're seeking God's will for our life. I I wonder if it is possible that maybe some of us have moved out from under the shadow of the cross. And God is speaking to your heart this morning and he's saying he's drawn you back to back under the shadow of the cross that you might say, Jesus, I I need to be in your will. Jesus, I, I need to stand under the shadow of your cross this morning. And maybe it's possible that God is moving your heart about something that you've been fighting, you've been struggling with. I'm thinking about when God was pressing upon me that I needed to 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 make this cell happen, this recreational vehicle thing. And and I wrestled with it for some months. And it's possible that's what maybe, you know, God is doing with you right now. And you're wrestling with what it is that God is trying to speak to you about. I, I want to invite you this morning. We were talking about Jesus. 
we're singing about Jesus. I want to invite you to embrace Jesus and move back under the shadow of the cross and allow Jesus Christ to help you with that decision that you're struggling with this morning. You know what Jesus is saying to you. You know what he's talking to you about. And I want to invite you to hear his voice as we pray together. In fact, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you, God, for answered prayer. I, I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to that, that one heart. You're speaking to that one person right now. They know that they've moved out from under the shadow of the cross. That maybe they've been making decisions based on worldly wisdom, not on godly wisdom. I, I pray that you would just speak to that, that heart this morning. That you allow that one person to just move back under the shadow of the cross and say, Jesus, I want to worship you. I want to follow you. Lord Jesus, I want to respond to you today, and I want to be under the shadow, that long shadow of the cross that extends over 2,000 years. And so, Father, I pray for that person this morning that is just hearing your voice. You'd help them, whether they are 8 years old or whether they're 80 years old, saying, Jesus, I need to stand under the shadow of the cross. I want to do that right now. I want to make that decision right now. Jesus, I want to just respond to you, Christ. I want to come back under your thought, your influence. Your shadow, Jesus. I thank you for that. I thank you for hearing our voice this morning, Father. Just be with us as we worship and we respond to you today. We ask this in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen.